Quick note, when this episode was recorded, the name of the podcast was Off the Pulpit. We have since changed it to Why the Gospel, to be better in line with the focus of what this podcast is all about. Enjoy. Welcome to Off the Pulpit Podcast, where we have interviews, Q&As, and conversations with pastors and church leaders about ministry, life in ministry, and out, and everything in between. Today we have Tyler Vos joining us, music director from Northwest Community Church, Phoenix, Arizona. Tyler, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about this conversation because, as you know, I go to your church. I actually serve in the music ministry under you, under your leadership. We've had a lot of these conversations about ministry, about music ministry, hours upon hours over the last few years, and I'm really looking forward to just sharing some of those conversations with the world around us. Um, So let's start by giving us a little bit of your story, your gospel story, how you came to know the Lord. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in a... Uh, unbelieving household, uh, kind of had a, a cursory knowledge of Christianity. Uh, just my, I had a grandfather who was a, a Methodist minister and <clears throat> sort of thought myself a Christian, I guess, by default, um, but uh, had no, no real knowledge of, of the word or of the gospel and what it entailed. Um, and so had some, um, you know, led basically a really selfish life, um, just serving, serving myself and started playing music at a young age and gotten bands. By the time I was in high school, I was, you know, pretty sure I was going to be a rock star. Um, and so I just, uh, was, was playing in bands and, and kind of doing the whole music scene thing. And, um, and then, when I was uh, a senior, my parents got a divorce, and that was kind of a game changer for me. Kind of uh, really helped, like, caused me to reevaluate um, a lot of what I thought I knew about what was good, like what was you know reliable, what was true. Um, you know, if you can't if you can't look to your parents for those answers at that age, where do you go? And so I, I, I did a lot of, uh, you know, sort of thinking in those years about, um, you know, basically, you know, thinking there wasn't anything authoritative that could really answer those things for me. And it's just like, we just were here, we just were doing our thing, we're, you know, getting, getting our, uh, you know, our, getting some good opportunities and whatever life brings our way we're making the most of it and music was kind of like the the center of that for me when i was 23 a band that i had been in for i think roughly seven years at that point had uh we broke up and so then it was like that was sort of my my life's purpose at in those in those years and and so then i was kind of once more left with a uh, in a place of of just kind of wondering like well like family and relationships that you count on don't last you know pursuits and professions and things that you look for to find that purpose and meaning no guarantee 
what it like what is there you know and so that was when uh some friends uh who i knew were pretty outspoken christians uh kind of cornered me and and presented the gospel to me and uh i had avoided them for a long time because i <laughs> knew what to expect from them but they uh they got a hold of me and started talking to me about you know what i knew about christianity and the bible and yeah i know that stuff and and uh ultimately ended up you know sharing the gospel with me and i i realized that the meaning that that i was looking for was was found in the truth of of god's word you know over a season there as i was exposed to what the bible had to say i became uh you know convinced that these this is where my hope can be found not in family not in you know pursuits and professions but in the truth of of god's word and that there there is a purpose behind our lives but it's not to be gratified by relationships earthly relationships and family and it's not to be gratified by you know a profession that will you know eventually going to retire if that's your meaning in life, then it's going to be pretty miserable. Right. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, that, that was the time when, you know, I realized that my, you know, my sin had, uh, was, you know, had left me short, you know, left me feeling like I, I hadn't, you know, I thought for years that pursuing selfishness and pursuing pleasure and pursuing all that kind of stuff was was going to be gratifying but you know i was still relatively young but probably more cynical than most already at that time and just feeling like this is it and so then i uh when i was presented with the gospel i I was like no this this is it this is this is that which is worth living for because it's it's not just a temporary gratification or a temporary, you know, pleasure. It's it's meaningful and it's eternal and and the the things that that we accomplish in the name of the gospel are imperishable mm-hmm. as they affect people's lives um for eternity. That's that's sweet to hear God's grace work it out in your life what was the the time period from when your your parents got the divorce and your world was kind of rocked to the time in which the the gospel was presented to you in the meantime your band broke up what was that kind of span in years i was like five or six years Mm. um so i mean i was pretty distracted by the band and the music scene thing and you know we were recording records and going on tours and doing different things that kind of you know in the in the short term just kept me busy and uh and um you know I've always loved music and so it's an easy it was an easy thing to kind of you know hold up as an idol and the pursuit and the and the you know the notoriety and the identity that was tied up with our successes in that uh, were, were a distraction from kind of the questions that eventually, um, you know, I ended up struggling with when that was all gone and when the band wasn't, you know, 
And I was, you know, I had a lot of opportunities at that time. I had a lot of friends in the music scene and a lot of people were like, hey, let's start up a project. And um, so I had, you know, three or four different guys who wanted to start stuff up and and uh, they were they were good. I mean, it would have, you know, we could have probably, you know, done some pretty some pretty good stuff and had some success. But to be honest, like I said, I was just sort of like why another seven years down the road i'm going to be in the same you know probably in the same position you know what's the point and yeah and being especially like being in a band is like being married to four egotistical <laughs> dudes <laughs> you're just that sounds of, great i don't uh, know what you're talking about no. it's like yeah it's like yeah that you know extrapolate you know uh the relation the close you know relationship and sort of partnership that you have with the individuals times the number of people in your band and then just how you know egos flare and get in the way people who are all who are really just self-interested and you know let's face it music musicians can have a tendency to be pretty uh self-centered pretty self-centered pretty arrogant egotistical you know they do it because they like the notoriety they like, you know, some of them do it for the love of the music, but most people have some mixed motives there. I know I did. So once you came to Christ, um, what was that? How long did it take to transition into start leading worship in a church setting? Well, um, I remember the first time I went to a church service, I went to uh, Scottsdale Bible's evening service, which was their like contemporary like rock service. And I remember walking in and being like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is the this is the place to be right here. Uh, I want to be up there. And uh, but God was was uh, gracious in in not giving me that opportunity yet. and you know, I actually met the the worship pastor there, and kind of gave him my story, and and uh, you know, availed myself. And he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna hold off on that for a little while. You just need to, you know, you need to get into the word and just, uh, you know, mature a little bit before." Good advice. Oh, it's great. <laughs> I'm you know, I'm I'm super grateful for him. <clears throat> um. And then, uh, so I ended up just, you know, leading music at a Bible study. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was great. It was just, you know, acoustic guitar and everybody singing. And we used to actually, sometimes we'd go out in the front yard and we'd just play these songs and sing. And like, mm. people would like come out of their houses and like, what is going on over there? And then they just stand out there and listen to us for a while, and then, you know, they think us was kind of like a way of you know sharing the gospel. It's like street street singing. There you go. <laughs> Instead of street. Do you have preaching. your guitar case open? No. No. Okay. no a, it was uh, it's pro bono. There you go. Um, but uh, but anyway, so I was playing. Actually, the first uh, the first time I led on any kind of like a formal ministry capacity was that Wooddale retirement community. Mm. And uh, my buddy David, who uh, 
our buddy David, who had been uh, uh, preaching there, just asked if I'd come and play a couple songs, which was, you know, going from like punk rock and hardcore and like, you know, the genres that I was in as a musician to hymns for 80 year olds was a was a pretty far departure um but it was so good for me you know i was i encountered some of the great like some of the you know the great hymns of the faith early on uh and and you know they were way different than anything i'd played i didn't even know them i didn't know how to read music so i would just like look at the chords and I would David would sing all the sing all the the melodies and I just play the guitar. Like I felt like the, I felt like Nacho Libre in that one scene. <laughs> boom 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 boom. Encarnacion. <laughs> but uh but anyway, uh I learned a bunch of hymns there and you know, obviously it was a great place for me to get involved because um it was just all about serving like it wasn't it wasn't something to where like we're gonna impress anybody yeah and my ego is gonna you know i'm gonna you know be showing off and that type of thing so once again god was just gracious to put me in a position where i could start off uh serving through music in a way that was that was really you know good for me uh as far as just my pride and my, you know, what music had been for me, which was like an identity and a means to impress people. And, and now all of a sudden it was just an opportunity to, to serve people. And, you know, when he first asked me to do it, I didn't want to really do it, but prayed about it and just felt convicted that uh, I could do this and I should do it, you know, meet, meet the need that, that existed there. And so, um, I did that for several, maybe a year, um, and uh, and then finally I got involved at Scottsdale Bible, playing at their, um, playing in their services, and then I got called out of the blue. A guy I'd never even met, a pastor who said, "We're looking for a worship leader. Would you be interested?" And I said, uh, I, I'd like to talk about it. So I went and met with him and ended up leading and offering the position. And so I'd been a believer for probably about two years at that point. Um, maybe, maybe not quite. It was early, probably too early, earlier mm-hmm. than, was, than I'd advise a young believer to accept that type of position. But uh, it, was, it was a good learning experience. So, and then from there, you've had the opportunity to, to serve in, in a few different churches. And now, today, in church, you celebrated your three-year anniversary at Northwest Community, which is awesome. Um, so, how has the last three years been at Northwest? Oh, it's been, it's been great. It's been, um, it's been a, a real eye-opener. Uh, as far as, um, you know, a, a, a good, well thought through ecclesiology and the way the leaders think about how, why they do what they do, um, 
what they let guide their decisions and just the biblical approach that uh that has been impressed upon me by the leadership uh it's been it's been a game changer for me as far as as ministry is concerned and uh i've learned a ton um from interacting with these guys about about ministry and just being challenged to being you know and and there is it's been you know gracious because you know i didn't come in and, and have them say here's what you're going to do this is how you should do it you know but it was, i came in and sort of brought my style and my you know priorities and kind of what drove me and they just kind of like let me do that but in the meantime just you know working together and 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 working through they let me they've let me mature in a way that was you know i think really gracious and uh and encouraging for me um but uh but yeah it's been uh it's been a good it's been a, a really a blessed time for us and for our family and just to be to be somewhere where people are so intentional and careful about the way they go about doing ministry and 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 consistent um with what they what they do mm. and why they do it that's uh you know just thinking as you're talking how gracious God has been to you to put you in that type of position with that type of leadership that not only has allowed you to mature in a way that's authentic um but also not let you just run willy-nilly doing whatever you want kind of like in a silo apart from as you say that good ecclesiology and good understanding of what the church is supposed to do um and also not on the other side just forcing a this is what you're going to do here's the songs you're going to sing um i think that's just healthy and that's good there's a lot of other stories of a lot of other music directors who who aren't in that type of um good leadership that that's awesome now when you uh being blessed by that leadership being blessed by the time in this church um and you mentioned bringing in at that time talking about the past you know kind of some of your your mindset some of your own philosophies of ministry um and and of course some have changed and some have not and some have just grown and expanded uh what would you say specifically maybe over the last three years or three to five years just kind of you've been leading worship for over a decade we figured out so you have a lot of experience but within the recent time how has your philosophy of of music ministry kind of changed over that time uh i mean it's changed a lot i mean to be honest uh you know i was when i started leading i was a young believer um we say to be honest as if i would lie but i was thinking (laughs) i was gonna say did you just start being honest no but uh i didn't i'm still being only half, half <laughs> okay. no, uh, no, but but as you would assume, I would honestly communicate because that's what that's what I, I make a habit of trying to do. Um, 
is, uh, yeah, I started off as an entertainer. Um, so, you know, I started off having, you know, as a musician with the desire, with kind of a two, two-fold desire. And I think, you know, most musicians fall somewhere in this continuum. Uh, at least most musicians, like worldly musicians, um, you know, there's a love for the art of music and there's a, a sort of a self-interest in it in that I like this. It's fun for me. It's a form. It's a way I can express myself. It's it's a way I can exert my personality and style um, and and be, you know, be an individual and sort of like self-actualized. Um, and then on the other side, you know, you're you're an entertainer, you're a performer. And so I think musicians kind of on a scale, um, they have this, this, they fall somewhere in that scale to where they're, some people are more performers and they care more about the way they're perceived when they play. Other people are more just artists and they're just more concerned with the self-actualization and, and expression, like that self-expression. Um, so coming out of the, the music scene in the world, I, I definitely carried that into the church. Um, you know, I, I mean, I tried to find music that, that, uh, that I, at the time I thought was good, you know, it's like, okay, this is good because it's about, you know, gospel type, you know, it's, it's tied to the gospel somehow. And it may not be explicit. It's got truth in yeah, it. Yeah, it's got truth in it. Um, and you know, it's like, oh, it's, you know, or it's, but it sounds good too. It's mm-hmm. a, this is a cool sounding song and maybe it doesn't have a whole lot of truth, but it sounds really cool. And some of it's and this like, part's, this part's really powerful. Right. Like the build here. Oh man. Like that really gets me going, you know? And so there's this, you know, that kind of like, that's that self actualization side. And then it's also usually gets other people going. And so it's like, you know, it's from a pragmatic, practical standpoint, you are, you know, you're seeing you know, the, the congregations into it and they're singing and they're, you know, engaged. And so you're like, ah, I'm succeeding as an, I'm succeeding as an entertainer. Um, and, you know, I think I didn't realize at the time that that was kind of, you know, what was driving me. I'm like, I know I want to do this for God. I know I want to do this for the right reason. So therefore, anything I do must be good, right? Eh. <laughs> maybe not you know i can be i can be i can be my own uh worst enemy and you know as we all can in whatever endeavors we we seek to do if we're not do, if we're not letting the right motives and the right things and the right uh philosophy and ultimately just the biblical text guide what we're doing we can get ourselves into all kinds of trouble as far as why you know what we're doing and and why we're doing it and I think a lot of times we don't even have those answers. We're just like, hey, we're sincere. We want to do it for God. And that's, that's good enough. Then, you know, we can kind of play these songs that have some Christian-y content that people like the sound of. And, man, we're really hitting, we're really hitting the mark here. So early on, I think that was it. You know, I was, I was you know, I took my, my practice of entertaining people in the world and imported that into the church and you know and people liked it and so i'm like hey like affirmation this is, this is all working this is i'm doing the right things clearly um 
it's bearing fruit. Um, and so I just did air quotation marks, by the way, fruit. Um, and so then uh, we're going to have to make this a, what do they call it? A, a simulcast? Get some video cameras in here. Uh, is that what that is? I think so. Anyways. Yeah. Um, next time. Yeah. So that was early. Uh, I think as time progressed, uh, I think one of the things that kind of midway, uh, maybe five years ago, um, I started caring more about the people that I serve. Um, I started, uh, I started realizing that, you know, maybe just them enjoying the music time isn't the bar <laughs> that, I, that I should be striving to reach. And, and, you know, maybe, uh, there's more that, that I should be focused on as far as serving them. Um, and there's a lot of nuance. I mean, you, you know, it's like, it's like loving an individual. There's not, there's not one right way to love like different people or any two, like two people, like the way that you love them are going, is going to be different because they're different people who, you know, it, it's, it's challenging to learn to love somebody well. And I think every congregation has that same, uh, has that same sort of like, fingerprint if you will there's a unique congregation a unique set of people and like you know you try to get to know them as best as you can and then love them and lead them well and so and that means you know not just always giving them what they want which is what an entertainer does right uh, but a leader or a pastor they don't give it i mean imagine if a pastor got up and just preached what everybody wanted to hear well, there's a lot of that going on. <laughs> Good point. Imagine that. Yeah, yeah. Um, thankfully, you know, we're not at a church where that, that mm. occurs. The, the word of God is preached for what it says, and, uh, and it's, it, it, it's formative and powerful because uh, it's the word of God. Um, and uh, so uh, I started looking for music that I thought would be, you know, things that the congregation needed to hear um, and truths that needed to be reinforced. And I started, I started uh, seeking for songs that, that I thought uh, achieved those things better. And it took a long time because, to be honest, to divorce my kind of personal style and taste from the song selection process, uh, which I mean, you never do completely. I don't know that you want to do that completely. You want to have, you know, you want to, you don't, you don't want to, you know, choose songs you hate to lead. That would be, you know, that'd be silly. You probably wouldn't lead them very well. Uh, but I did have to learn to like songs for different reasons. Um, and, you know, just the sound and the feel and the way the song built and, you know, the kind of the, the way the song evokes uh, was no longer kind of like the the main deciding factor for me, um, and all of a sudden it was like, "What is this song saying?" Um, and you know, I feel like the Lord started to allow me to 
to use some discernment and and start to recognize not all songs are are created equal so to speak um that some some songs and you know like a lot of those hymns i was exposed to early on you know kind of hokey you know in some ways i'm like yes you know they sound old these songs are old but then uh i'm just like man but the what they say a lot of times some of them aren't really that great in what they say but a lot of them the reason they've survived is because they are and they're like still they're still worth singing like the truth and the the way it was composed and the way it's packaged and you know you like i've learned to have a great appreciation and love for those old those old hymns and come to understand why they're still around who who was who was it who recently well recently i mean within the last year we had a guest speaker and he was mentioning hymns and he was saying the reason why they're still around and they're so loved by the senior saints so to speak is that they're battle tested do you remember that he mentioned that in his sermon uh, and i remember us discussing that afterwards and just thinking i might have been was that it might have been uh I can't, if he I can't if he listens to this podcast, he's he's gonna feel terrible. I didn't remember, <laughs> but I remember I the point he say... made, and I thought that that was such a good way of saying it. It's like, yeah, you know these these hymns hold truths to most often simple melodies that believers have used and relied upon for years and years and years as they're learning to walk closer and trust in God, and and these songs have have been helpful for them. Well, and I think, you know, one thing, and this is kind of, you know, we're down the bunny trail of ways here. We're, we're dealing with sort of nuances rather than like basic philosophy of ministry. But one of the things we have to be aware of in our culture is that we are so engrossed. Or we have stuff coming at us so fast and we're so engrossed with novelty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, you know, I mean, I remember being a kid and going and getting a CD and like, you know, spending 15 bucks on a CD at Tower Records or whatever, you know, and like, you know, I would listen to it for like two months because it was like, you know, for one, I didn't have a ton of money to go buy another new CD. But, you know, I mean, it was like that we digested things even, you know, 20 years ago so much more slowly um as a culture now it's like you know i just heard a new song i'm gonna listen to it for like a week and i'll be on to something else what else does the band artists. have for me yeah exactly um uh, what other new stuff and so i think you know as a culture we have to be aware that that we're prone to prioritize novelty and newness in a way that's probably not helpful um especially when it comes to you know serving the church like you know choosing songs because they're new i mean how arrogant how arrogant is it to think that that all the best songs being written for the church or that have ever been written for the church are the ones being written right now like you know i mean it's like uh you have 2000 years of hymnody and granted that 
most of the songs that have been sung by Christians over that period of time probably aren't recorded or, you know, uh, maybe and maybe for good reason. <laughs> well, likewise, today, you know, in 50, 100 years, most of the songs that that we do today are probably not going to survive. And they're probably they're probably not going to make the cut. Uh, it's just Chris Tomlin songs. Those are the only ones that are going to survive. Some of it's mine. He's got some good ones. But I mean, you know, like Amazing Grace, still going to be there. Mm. It is well with my soul, still going to be there. Mm. Come Thou Fount, still going to be there. Be Thou My Vision, you get the point. It's like these songs aren't going anywhere. They've they've been around for a long time. Uh, They're great. A few songs from our modern catalog today might make it. 10,000 Reasons might make it. You know, I mean, but realistically, most of them, you know, there's a place for them. You know, we want to have we want to have some cultural, you know, consistency with what's going on in our culture. So there's a place for that. Uh, but for, you know, those of us my, and I, you know, myself included, when I used to comprise my worship sets of just all the latest and greatest, I think we're missing a lot. And I think. We probably need to stop and step back and ask ourselves, why? Why are we using all this new material? Are we over-prioritizing novelty? Uh, is it all the best content? No, nobody would ever say that. Like, you know, nobody, nobody thinks like the five most popular songs on CCLI um, are, are being done all because they have the best content of any worship songs ever written. Right. It's it's a different reason. It's it's because of the freshness and the novelty and the and the consideration and you know wanting to wanting to be that fresh church, wanting to be that cutting edge kind of ministry. And you know, I think that in a certain sense that's kind of a form of or can be a form of idolatry for a lot of people and, and misprioritization. And it was for me. You know, that's one of the things, you know, getting back to your original question, that's changed greatly. Um, but I would say more importantly, I don't know how long you want to talk about this, but I think more importantly, there's still coffee in that thermos. Okay. So so there's still time. We might have to, you might have to just cut down like 40% of what I say and just pick, cherry pick the good parts if there are any. Um, but anyway, uh, I think probably the biggest, most, like the most profound thing, uh, that that I've realized, and it's really only been the last couple of years and, and really crystallized within the last year is coming to the realization that corporate worship isn't just a bunch of individuals worshiping God. Uh, I don't think most worship leaders realize i mean i think like people would hear that and say oh obviously it's not you know obviously there's something different about it. it's not just a bunch of individuals worshiping god but do we approach it like it's not just a bunch of individuals you know worshiping god uh i you know what i've seen out there in my years as a worship leader would indicate that people do primarily approach it like that and here's the reality mm-hmm. should we sing to god yes absolutely You know, you read through Psalms and time and time again, you have, you know, Psalm 47, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises. Uh, Psalm 68, sing to God, O kingdoms of the earth, sing praises to the Lord. 
Psalm 96, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Psalm 101, sing of the loving kindness and justice. Or I will sing of the loving kindness and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. Psalm 105, sing to him, sing praises to him. Speak of all his wonders. Psalm 147, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises to our God on the lyre. I mean, it's like, I'm just going to start it, you know? <laughs> it's down the list. Um, and so, yeah. We should sing, and granted that, you know, the psalms are, were congregational songs, so, like, that, that tells a lot about what we should be doing as a congregation when we gather. Um, but, I mean, I think, you know, even devotionally, personally, we should sing. I don't think we sing, I don't think we, we utilize the gift of, sing, of worship through song that God has given us as much as we could um, as a culture. We're not a singing culture in America. Uh, they leave singing to the experts kind of like we were talking about earlier, like leave, leave the teaching to the teachers. You know, we don't have to teach our kids. They can teach our kids. We'll leave the singing to the singers. You know, we'll just sit back and enjoy what they do. Um, and so when everybody has that instrument, everybody has it. Everybody has, yeah, everybody has a God-given musical instrument. Um, and, you know, it's, it's remarkable. It's a gift. Um, and it's powerful. And, you know, melody, melody carries so much. It communicates so deeply. Like you hear a, you hear a sad melody. It doesn't have to have words. You identify like this is a sad thing. I'm, I'm hearing something. I'm hearing something sad. It's moving me in a sad way. You hear an uplifting, joyful melody. And, you know, and so it's like it's richer and deeper than just words alone. And it's so much more expressive. And, you know, I think if we got out of our own way and, and you know, weren't so self-conscious as a culture about how we compare to the latest American Idol contestant, we would benefit a ton from expressing ourselves to God in, in that way, in a way that he's commanded us to. Yeah. But the point that I was getting at is that singing isn't a, you know, isn't something, I mean, it's something we should do alone and, 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 you know, absolutely. But that's not, uh, that's not what the corporate worship setting is all about. Um, so, you know, getting back to, to where, where I was, when we meet on Sundays, there's something unique about that. And we're not just trying to engage people and turn the lights off and make people feel connected to God. That's actually not what the Bible tells us to do. And if you read uh, Colossians 3.16, well, starting in verse 15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. There's a lot in the Bible about what worship should look like. There's not a ton in the Bible that tells us what our corporate worship should look like. And as far as music's concerned, which is just one element of corporate worship, it's not the worship is the music. The whole service is worship. But, uh, but this verse should be a primary go-to for us as music leaders. 
and and to say that we're supposed to be letting the word richly dwell within us, that we're supposed to be with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another with these psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in our hearts to God. So, uh, you know, the whole, the whole idea of, of personal worship, you know, is great. But I mean, let's face it, we could do that independently. You know, we could all be tuned into a, a you know, a, a streaming service from home and, and all be fully engaged and fully de- de- devoting our hearts to God. But we can't admonish one another because we're not present with each other. And so when we're present with the body, it's a unique thing that we have the opportunity to sing truth to one another. And what truth should we be singing to each other? Rich truth. Truth full of wisdom. You know, these are the things that should govern what we do and and the way we practice in in a church service. And and I think, you know, you know, for me, it took, it's taken me the majority, you know, I mean, it's probably eight years to really wrap my mind around that and to prioritize that as highly as I think it should be prioritized. And, you know, by and large, I think it's because I had, you know, for my example, a culture that doesn't prioritize that. And so the churches that I served in, you know, was about novelty. It was about production value. It was about all these things that Honestly, in a lot of ways, those things don't help this. Mm. Throwing new songs at people every week doesn't help them to sing well to each other. You know, turning the lights off and having bright light shining on the platform, that doesn't highlight your neighbor beside you. It highlights the people standing up there on the platform. And, you know, I'm not going to say those things can't ever be used or shouldn't be used. But I think, you know, if you, I think you need to be asking the question, how does it help to accomplish the goal outlined here in Colossians 3.16? And if it doesn't help do that, we probably shouldn't do it. <laughs> you know, if you want to turn the lights off at home and crank your stereo and sing worship to God, you're free to do that. But that's not all that we're doing when we meet on Sundays. You're supposed to be singing to your neighbor. And that means sing. Even if you're, well, I'm not a great singer. It's not, I'm not gifted in that. You just heard me rattle off 15 psalms that tell you to do it anyway, you know? If you say I'm not an evangelist, I would say, well, Jesus commanded commanded you to evangelize. It's the great commission. It's like the basic command of the Christian faith, um, you know, to obey that command and to go and make disciples and teach them to obey everything he commanded. Um, and, and likewise, we're commanded to sing. We're commanded to utilize that God-given gift to express truths to the Lord in a way that that has a depth and a richness and and that we're to bless our neighbors by rehearsing these truths and literally singing to them. I'm not recommending like you turn to them and like get all close and like <laughs> sing in their ear, but I mean like, you know, pr- you know, have a priority of that in your heart and yeah. say, I'm not just doing this like, you know, this isn't just a me and God thing. Like, I'm going to sing because I want to bless the people around me. I want to encourage them. I want us all to sing better and worship, worship better and, and grapple with the truths that we're singing uh, better and more deeply and just sort of, you know, serve other people. And, you know, even if you don't like the song very much, you know, it's not, 
it's not it's not that much to ask to go out of your way to be like oh well, i don't really this old hymn's pretty clunky you know the old rugged cross i cling to the old rugged cross you know it's like it's not doesn't sound cool and modern but you know what like i can sing that if it's going to be a blessing to somebody beside me and the same thing goes for people who don't like the new songs oh they're you know the the driving drums and this and that i don't prefer that well i mean why are we together what is this about on sunday if it's just about your preference you could be at home watching the live stream but if you're going to be here serving the church and serving the body then 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 serve serve you know and i mean when i choose songs i try to choose songs based on the congregation and and who we have and where we're at and so i try to choose a blend you know it's kind of the the catch 22 of all that is you make nobody happy because <laughs> it's like well there's one song i liked in there and you know and, or you make everybody a little bit happy right that's what it is yeah nobody's completely satisfied um but even wanting more but at the same token i think that's a good thing because it gives uh it gives people the opportunity to learn to serve each other and you know uh and you know i i don't choose all the songs like i said I, that that i just love the sound of anymore like i used to i choose the songs that i think serve the congregation well and sometimes it's just the songs that they sing the best because i i know that that's, that's what we're after i don't love every song that we do as a church uh but you know i do i do them because i think they serve the church well and uh and so, you know, and it's taken time and maturity and prayer and, and just seeking after what God has, has me to do in the role that he's put me in to recognize, like, it's okay if I don't love a song as long as it serves the congregation well, as long as the truth is rich, as long as they sing it well to each other. And uh, a lot, honestly, some of the songs that I like the best, the conversation doesn't, or the con- con- congregation doesn't sing very well, right. which is a bummer. I'm like, oh man, I really like that one, and I've tried it three times, and nobody's singing it. Well, maybe this isn't the best song for our church. Oh man, that that's so good. And to, uh, I mean, I couldn't tell at all that you mean what you say, because your passion level, you know, didn't increase at all in the last five minutes. I mean, you really you were preaching it there i think that is that is that is so good and so helpful to to have that type of um conviction behind what you're doing in your leadership in your position um i want to transition into to another question off of that you know as you say really has cemented in the last 2 1 years i as a member of the church you lead at have noticed pretty significantly in the last 12 months that our church has really been learning to sing. Mm. Now, I'm not up on your stage that often, uh, but when I, when I am up there, I recognize that. And then being down, singing with the congregation, I've recognized that too. What has been some of the... Um, uh, and now I know prayer and intentionality um and and god's been the one doing that so i'm not suggesting there's a there's a formula that everybody can just follow but at the same time i do know that there has been some practical things you and the leadership have have been trying to do over the over that time period to kind of help teach us to sing better 
and help foster that? What are some of those things? Well, I try, I try to remind people, you know, in a, in a gracious way, somewhat regularly. I don't know. Maybe I should do it more. Uh, but, uh, but I think what's more important than that is having other leaders uh, in the church mention you know we as a staff sit and talk about these things and and think through these things and uh and uh you know so having pastor scott get up there and say hey we should sing and you know i remember one time in particular when he pointed out that when i step back from the mic it's because i want to to let people know mm-hmm. that hey this isn't a performance this is you guys are are part of the ensemble together that we are singing and you know uh worshiping and lifting our voices um together uh and and just you know keying in on that kind of thing i think it's challenging because uh it's easy for someone to look at me and say oh the dude loves music of course he's gonna like say everybody should be like me and 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 sing it's like, you know, it's like, it's like the guy who has... My job is of, to lead in singing, so sing. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, do my job for me. <laughs> do, you know, make it easy for me, guys. Uh, and, you know, it's, but it's like, you know, a pastor uh, is gifted in preaching and teaching. It's a spiritual gift. Uh, so, you know, to, to, you know, you don't walk around assuming that everybody else is going to be able to preach and teach if you're a pastor um or or, you know even the congregation doesn't assume that the pastor is like oh well you just think we should all preach and teach because you preach teach actually it's it's more of a thing with with like preachers where it's like well we recognize that few people are good at that and only the people that are good at it should do it well singing isn't a spiritual gift singing is a command you know it's like Um, There are some things like evangelism that's also listed as a spiritual gift and a command. And so there are going to be people that are really good at it and, and they should rightfully say, you should do this. Um, You know, singing is not one of those things, but, uh, but, you know, I think hearing it from me, it's, it's easy for people to say, well, you know, he, you know, easy for you to say, buddy. Like this is sort of the way God made you. You're wired that way to love music and love singing. Uh, don't don't impress your your you know priorities and and loves upon us. But then to have other leaders say, "No, guys, we do this because the Bible tells us to do it. We do it because it's a gift. It's it's good for us." Um, and having that kind of unified approach as a leadership uh community uh i think it's done the most um i don't think i i think like i said i think the the leader the music leader can do a lot just as far as reminding people reminding people but it's good for people to hear that hey even even you know pastor scott as a leader who's not a musician and not a singer he stands in the front row singing and and he encourages others to sing and acknowledges that this is something that we should that we should engage in and be about and i think that goes a lot further than 
than you know somebody telling everybody to be like them basically mm. yeah and so it's helpful for people to realize like okay i recognize scott's giftedness is not primarily in the area of music and yet he encourages everybody to sing that's a really good thing mm. um and so and other elders as well in the church that really make a point to prioritize and and bring out the priority of singing i think um it's a it's not one guy's job to to encourage the church to be obedient in any area of scripture it's the church's job to edify to encourage to reinforce those things to one another i mean even that verse we looked at in colossians uh attests to that we're not to be just passive consumers in church we're to be there encouraging and admonishing one another in in all areas that, to which the scriptures speak and command um and calling people's attention to to doing what is what is good um according to what the bible teaches and so um and so i think it's a i think it's a you know it's a culture shift that has to happen from the top down um but you know obviously we as music leaders have a have a a significant part in that but i wouldn't say the most significant Mm. that's uh that reminds me of what you said earlier just kind of a, a passing comment when you said and by the way the singing's not just worship it's the whole service um you know not that pastors and elders have to mention every single sunday the importance of singing but the way that they do from time to time it it does help for me to see the cohesiveness and the worship service versus just okay here's announcements like it's you know compartmentalized here's announcements here's the music time here's the teaching time you know but when when leadership is talking about uh, and encouraging the singing as part of a worship and we're also in our church you know we're always talking about the importance of the word and teaching and and being under the authority of scripture and and all those being talked together just enforces the cohesiveness of that worship service and not just you know well then you get the people who who aren't really into music they're just going to show up 20 minutes late and miss and miss the singing and as you've mentioned with that before that's bad ecclesiology right that's a bad understanding of of what the church is meant to do or on the other side Sure, there's people at places who show up for the music, and like that—that's my church, you know. I, 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 I'm worshiping God in the music, and 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 jet for, you know, the sermon. Yeah, it's not a it's not a variety show, right? It's not just like a bunch of you know. Take a like, little of this, take a little of this. We try to we try to do throw a little something in there for everybody, just to you know entertain and engage. It's you know. It's once again, especially, you know, some churches more than others, but I'm really grateful for our church because um, because everything is biblically derived. And it's not just, you know, it's not just we do this because Tyler likes it or because Scott likes it or because, you know, we voted as a congregation and people had, you know, they voted this song in, preferred this. Um, but that you know we're we're really tr- seeking to hold 
to what scripture has to say about what's important when we do church. And I mean, that's why it's, it's, you know, the central part of the service is the teaching of the word because Mm -hmm. rightfully so, because how do we find out why we even do the rest of the things we do in, in, in the service? Uh, if we're not basing those on our understanding of the scripture. Right. And so, um, you know, I think it's, and that's another thing is I think, you know, having that right priority. And I think, you know, in some, in some, I've been, uh, I've known people who have been in situations where it's like the, the music guy and the senior pastor are kind of, you know, like, like at tug of war. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the trying to kind of like figure out who's gonna, you know, what part of the service is going to take what priority and different things and, and people that have struggled through that kind of thing. And I think, you know, we need to recognize the priority doesn't, isn't anybody in the church. The priority is the word of God. Mm. The priority is having the word of God come to bear on our hearts and minds. Um, that is what renews our minds. Uh, we're to hold every thought captive. To what? To, to our own flawed conscience? No, to what we know about what the word of God says. And so you have, you know, all of these. Um, all of these things that need to be subordinate to God in his living and active word and how that, how that's brought to bear in our lives. Um, and so, uh, and so, you know, me prioritizing and, and that, and I think that comes through in song selection too, is the word is the, is significant portions of scripture identifiable in the songs you're singing. Or is it sort of just like pithy Christianese, you mm. know, things that it's like, oh, well, that's that's true. What scripture do you base that on? I don't know. You know, I think there's some Romans eight twenty eight in there. Or, you know, it's a great promise, <laughs> but I mean, you know, there's like fifty thousand worship songs based on that verse. It's a great verse to sing, but we probably, you know need to have a little bit broader cross-section of the scriptures than just, you know, John 3.16 and Romans 8.28. And, uh, and so I think that becomes evident. I think that helps people to sing too because they realize, oh, this isn't about a musical style. This isn't about my, you know, my, like the worship leader's personal preference of, of style or song or whatever. Because they they see so much content that they say, oh, like we're singing the truths of the scripture, and that priority comes through, and and then people have something to really be excited about that they should be excited about. People shouldn't be excited about the way my voice sounds. People shouldn't be excited about you know how our band plays together. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, hopefully we're we're doing a good job, and people are at least pleased with those elements, but. But that's not why we want people to be excited in a church service. We want people to be excited over the word of God, over, mm. over the person of Christ as revealed in scripture. Um, and, uh, and we know that the spirit points to that um, all throughout. Uh, that's, how, that's how we know <laughs> the spirit is working when it points us back to what we know about who God is in his word. 
and uh and so um having that robust content i think that also is a big component to having people uh engaged and participating in singing uh because it, the content of god's word is transcendent of style you're always going to people that show up after the music and you know you're probably always going to get the people that maybe they don't leave for the sermon but maybe they're just you know staring at the rafters or whatever during the sermon and not paying attention or maybe they're asleep you know we're not up front but scott you know scott's mentioned <laughs> that and he's you know it's like oh somebody's sleeping uh and so uh so anyway uh you're always you know this but the goal is is to you know train people and and create a culture where we as a church it's not just you know the leaders you know slapping people on the knuckles with a ruler but that we as a church are holding each other accountable to these things and and prizing these things, valuing these things, and pointing them out to one another, and and helping each other to develop that ecclesiology that you're talking about. What is the church? What are we doing? What is what are what are we to do? Um, if if you don't know from the scriptures, you can't answer those questions. Then you're not going to understand. Uh, you know, you're not going to have enough discernment to know whether the church you're at is is doing a good job. For one, you're you know you're gonna base it on your own personal opinion instead of on the word of God. Um, but also, you're just gonna be you know you're gonna be probably dissatisfied um, with wherever you are, even if they are basing it on the word of God, because you don't you don't have any uh, under you don't you know you don't have your mind wrapped around why someone is or isn't doing something and. You know, I think the assumption is, is that everybody's just doing them. You know, everybody's just catering to their own preferences. So. Mm. so good. I have so many more questions, and it's not going to happen, clearly. <laughs> so we're, we're definitely going to have to do a part two of this. Uh, so before we go, um, I'm going to catch you off guard here. So you're going to have to think of a recommendation because I didn't tell you I was going to do this. But maybe do you have a, a it could be an artist, it could be a band. Do you have a, it can, an artist or a band? I guess artists usually have bands, but, or, or a song is what I meant to say there. So it could be a band, it could be a song. Do you have a recommendation of a particular song that has really either convicted you or encouraged you or, Maybe you thought is is working re- really well um, in our context that uh, you could put out there as a recommendation. There's a lot, and I mean, I I would, you know, I would recommend uh, probably three different groups that, that I, I didn't could. ask for three. Well, you're no, gonna I'm just get kidding. three. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna get three. There's too many good ones, not to mention three. Uh, so. Matt Boswell for the last couple of years, you know, ever since we went to the doxology and theology conference, uh, you know, his songs are just good, just rich, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, I'd be, for I would the listeners be, songs like, what does he do? So they know. Now you really put me on the spot. Uh, Christ be- assure and steady anchor. Come behold the wondrous mystery. Mm-hmm. Those are probably, the two we the sing two the best. most. Well, His Mercy is More. Oh, yeah. another one. We sing How Rich a Treasure. 
we possess, which I mean, they're all, you know, I don't know if all of them are going to go down as those, you know, but I w- honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if, if some of them don't, because mm. they're just good songs. Um, Come behold the wonderful oh, mystery is I, we sing song. that in students this morning. It's so good. It's a great song. Yeah. We sing that in the elder. We sing that in the elder meetings, uh, you know, uh, we always sing a couple songs at the beginning of the elder meetings mm. and, uh, which I'm not an elder, but they're gracious enough to let me uh, observe their leading. And so it's a huge blessing. And, um, and yeah, I mean, that was, that's one song that we sang somewhat recently and the guys just all, yeah, what a great song, you know, these are guys, older guys, most of them, you know, who have a love for the classic songs of the faith and everybody's just, you know, it transcends man, like what a look at the, look at these truths that mm. we're singing and the way it marries a good song marries the the what the melody communicates and what the text communicates just seamlessly and that song does that mm. for sure um another group uh that's more contemporary is city of light um, definitely more contemporary style, more repetition, uh, but just, you know, good truth. Uh, um, not, it's not as wordy or verbose as like a Bo- Matt Boswell hymn, but, uh, but our congregation really seems to be blessed by that. And it, the style of it, I think is, is really helpful as far as, you know, having a, having a good cross section of, of current. Uh, songs as far as the way they're written and then the other the other one is matt merker he's been putting out some good stuff as well i don't think i know that name how do i not know Uh, this name you uh he does he does some writing with the gettys okay he's the he's the music director at capitol hill baptist where mark dever is the pastor and um uh what's the song that we've been doing I'm, I'm drawing a blank uh maybe you can edit this part out <laughs> <laughs> um but songs by him yeah that's right look look at his look at his songs. that's gonna bug me i'm gonna have to look it up here i know you're insert nacho libre reference <laughs> reference here i mean they look concerned that you're not baptized <laughs> You know, while you're looking that up, though, I will... So you had recommended City of Light to me earlier this year or end of last year. And I, I, I really like their stuff. What's interesting is... And you go on their website and they talk about their whole point in writing music is congregational. They make it very clear that their melodies are going to be simple. Um, that... The song structure is going to be pretty simple, um, and which is interesting. They're really trying to write songs that serve their church well, congregationally. And what's interesting is is the first time I, I listened to, uh, you know, you go and you pick a song, you, you hear it on iTunes or whatever. Um, this is great. And then listening to a whole CD together, that's when I really realized it's yeah, this wasn't written to be like an album. Because I didn't really enjoy it, listening to it as like, I'm going to sit down and listen to these like 10 songs. But then when it takes some of those songs and plug them into corporate worship, they've, they've worked great. It's like, yeah, this, this, is, 
this is what they meant. This is what they wanted him to. It wasn't to just you know tickle your ears when you're wanting to listen to music. Yeah, they're they're well written songs. The songs they're based on you know uh, solid you know biblical truth and principles, identifiable. You can tie a verse to them. You know whatever section yeah. of the song and. You know, we just did that one of theirs for the VBS, and it was it was the favorite of the of the set, um, except for the one you sang, of course. Oh, of course. Um, anyway, that song is "I Will Wait for You," which oh, is based on okay. Psalm one thirty. That song I didn't know. Okay, so that's a great song. Yeah, you know, second time we did it, the congregation was just singing it. You know, it's just it just it's easy to sing, mm. and you know, I mean, songs about suffering are necessary. And we do a lot, because uh, especially as you get to know your congregation, you find that there's a lot of people suffering out there. Uh, you hear, you just hear about, you know, what's going on in people's lives, and you're just, you just feel, you know, in serving people and caring for them, you know, it's like, man, we, we need to sing this song this week for that individual, um, or for these individuals, or you know, assuredly they're not the only one that's struggling with some of these things. And so um, trying to find songs that deal with the full scope of, of, you know, the human condition, the mixed condition and the struggle that we have because of the destruction of sin um, is I think important and something that music is a particularly effective balm for our, our souls Mm. in times where where we're struggling and suffering and uh and so you know we don't want all cheerleader type songs and um you know god is good and we should celebrate his goodness uh but you know we should also acknowledge that sometimes we worship when we don't know what's going on we we need to wait for the lord i will wait for you lord you know like i don't know what you're doing i don't know what's going on things are not how expected right now uh, but I trust you, you know what you're doing. Uh, and, and so us as a congregation, you know, singing those truths together, I think has been really, really rich. Nice. Well, maybe we can touch on that, expand on that a little bit more next time. And we'll throw in things like imprecatory Psalms and, uh, songs from questionable sources. Absolutely. So you can get, you can get ready for that next time. All right. Lastly. How can we be praying for you? Uh, praying for me? Well, probably the biggest area right now is uh, getting ready to start seminary. Uh, and so I'm excited about that. Um, but also, you know, obviously balancing time between my responsibilities to my family, my responsibilities to the church, and then. Uh, and then, you know, being faithful to do what I need to do at, in seminary. Uh, so basically, part two of this podcast will be four to five years from now? Sounds good. I'll probably <laughs> say, you know, just everything I said five years ago is totally wrong. Don't, <laughs> don't listen to that. Listen to the new one. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, it you know, hopefully I can finish in five years. Mm. We'll see. But anyway, just, just learning how to balance those things effectively and, and be uh, faithful 
at at all of them as I go forward is probably my number one prayer request right now. All right. Well, I want to actually take the time to pray for you right now, and then we'll send you off. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for um, bringing Tyler here to have this discussion. Thank you for, first and foremost, uh, bringing him into your family. God, for changing his heart through your word, through your gospel, and putting him in a place of, uh, of leadership in your church, uh, giving him a role that has a lot of weight to it, leading your church in, in worship through music, and not just that, but teaching us all how to, to do it better in ways that will bring honor to you, and in ways that will challenge and encourage one another in ways that will will see will help us see our our singing as the corporate command that it is supposed to be and uh, we also ask that you will help him in this time coming up joining uh, or starting the seminary that you will help him uh, manage his time well keep his priorities uh, in line to, to serve his family, your church, and get his studies done with at least a seal letter. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Tyler, for joining. Thank you for listening to Off the Pulpit Podcast. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe, whatever you need to do on the medium that you are listening this to, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.